let's do this. Um, uh, my name is Sam Bush. I would love to open our breakout session in prayer. Um, let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift that is humor. We thank you that because of your love for us, we do not need to take ourselves or anything too seriously. We thank you that your gospel is serious and it is true and it is real. And because of that, um, we can laugh at just about everything. I pray that you bless our time together. In your name I pray, amen. Um, so yeah, my name is Sam. Um, I can take this off. And uh, I um, am just about to graduate seminary from um, Duke Divinity School, uh, which comes as a huge relief because I am not a scholar. Uh, please do not ask me about the English Reformation. Uh, the final paper I just passed in two days ago it was titled, Richard Hooker, who was he and what was he doing? <laughs> but I am one uh, of many who have turned to comedy as an emotional outlet during the pandemic. Uh, I think comedy is being streamed uh, 400% more than it has, I'm just kidding, than people with numbers. I mean, it just, it makes it sound so much more significant. But did you know that people are streaming comedy 400% more than they were 10 years ago? Um, I love watching stand-up. Uh, I love the work of John Mulaney and Nate Bargatze, and I think Kate McKinnon is a genius, and Chloe Fineman, I want to be her friend. Um, I think... All these people are, um, do, uh, they minister to me. Um, so after a jam-packed day of exceptional material, at the very least, I hope our time together um, will be a chance for you to catch your breath. We are going to watch a couple of really funny videos. Um, but I also hope that this is a time to look at how humor can actually provide deep healing and real hope in your life. Um, humor can be used in various capacities uh, as a defense mechanism, as a way to grieve. Uh, it is usually at someone's expense. You know, we call it the butt of the joke or the punchline for a reason. Um, but as Sarah Condon showed us this morning, she showed what I'm just going to talk about. Uh, humor can and does resemble hope. So, you know, the classic Mark Twain quote, comedy is tragedy plus time. Uh, we're going to come back to that quote. But that alone is a far cry from escapism. Like comedy needs tragedy in order to work. So it, comedy or humor is born out of recognizing how tragic life is. Um, so Sarah was absolutely right this morning talking about how it's not escapism. Um, before we get to our first video, I want to talk about an interesting study out there on why something is ever funny. I know if it's not really worth thinking about or, um, or talking very long about, but Peter McGraw 
is a behavioral scientist um, who has developed what he's called the benign violation theory. There's a TED talk about it on YouTube. And he says that humor appears when there are two conditions. There needs to be a violation, which is basically a threat to the way you think things ought to be uh, when something feels wrong uh, or out of the ordinary at the very least. So there's a violation, but the second condition is that the violation is simultaneously benign. So something's wrong, but it's not a real threat. So for instance, people, or even primates, will laugh when play fighting or tickling because they are mock attacks, right? They seem like threatening situations, but are also harmless. Um, but so you need both factors though. You need the violation and its benign character. So situations that are purely benign, where there's no violation at all, they're not funny. Uh, you can't tickle yourself because there's not a threat. You can't kind of trick your brain into laughing. It's not funny because you can't really threaten yourself. Um, situations that are purely malign um, are violations that uh, they're not funny either. So like an example of something purely benign would be me walking down these stairs. That's not funny. Um, if I fell down these stairs and was seriously injured, uh, hopefully you wouldn't find that funny. <laughs> Dave's all might find that funny, but um, there's a reason why he's chief expert on low anthropology. Some, there's something wrong with that person. Um, but if I were to walk down the stairs and trip and fall down and somehow be okay, uh, even, hopefully, even I would have to admit that that was funny. So, d does that make sense? Like, there's, there's a violation, but it's benign. Um, so, Peter McGraw uh, even cites Seinfeld as king of leaning into the violation part of this equation. Right? What Seinfeld does so well is it recognizes all the petty violations of everyday life that we kind of shrug off. And, and uh, it says, no, we need to pay attention to when the car dealership uh, has reserved a car but has not held the reservation. Making the reservation is important, but holding the reservation is more important, and we need to give that attention, lean into the violation. I don't care if it's benign. And that gets us laughing. So, okay, that's enough talk. Um, E.B. White once said, analyzing humor is like dissecting a frog. Few people are interested and the frog dies of it. <laughs> so I want to take a look at um, a short interview with Tina Fey on how to be funny. Um, uh, if you've ever wondered how to be funny, um, here's two minutes of um, instruction. I don't think she needs an introduction. She was the um, writer at Saturday Night Live for 10 years. Um, she was behind the movie Mean Girls and other films. She's behind the show 30 Rock. She's one of the most celebrated comedians of, of our time. So this, uh, she's asked a series of rapid fire questions about what makes something funny. Here she is. Hi, I'm Tina Fey, and here are my do's and don'ts to being funny. 
do I use the element of surprise in comedy? You tell me. I like getting too close to a lens. I know that. What warm-ups do I do to perform? Open pit barbecue sauce. I do that a thousand times. The key to comic timing is knowing how long to wait, but not waiting too long. Props are a dangerous crutch because if you get used to your props, they will fail you when you need them. You've spent so much time training that monkey and then showtime comes, where's your monkey? He's in the corner. Now what? Now what? Right? Uh, you make a hundred balloon animals. Showtime comes, where are they? The monkey's got them in the corner and he's using them. If you're trying to be funny on a date, definitely get a piece of like chocolate cake and stick it to your teeth and just leave it on your teeth. And if he laughs, then that's a good guy. I actually did do that when I met my husband. If I only had like five seconds to try to be funny, I would pull my pants down. Also, this is this is never gets old. This is good if you just like in a, in a pinch. Botox is the enemy of funny. I think it, I think you need to be able to move your face to be funny. My wheelhouse is more in the slow burn, like tiny, tiny angry face. Everything that's ever happened will be funny at some point. So if you have something that strikes you as funny and you're worried that it's not appropriate, wait a hundred years and then try your joke. Comedy is truth plus time multiplied by monkeys divided by one fart. This breakout session is brought to us by Net A Porter, um, which is a woman's luxury fashion retailer. Um, so thank you to our sponsor. Um, Tina Fey personifies humor here uh, by not taking herself too seriously. Right? She doesn't say, well, if you want to get where I am, uh, you have to work hard. Instead, she talks a lot about monkeys. Um, she's willing to play the fool, which is where comedy is always found. Um, we are so afraid as people of being labeled the fool. But William Lamb, who was the British prime minister from 1834 to 1841, before a brilliant comedy career, had this to say. This is William Lamb. Neither man nor woman can be worth anything until they have discovered that they are fools. This is the first step toward becoming either estimable or agreeable. And until it is taken, there is no hope. So by accepting the truth about her own foolishness, Tina Fey has nothing to defend and is therefore free. We spend an inordinate amount of time trying to defend our image, our dignity, our opinions, our lives. Uh, but the fool has nothing to defend and is therefore free. So, but the way she describes the do's and don'ts of humor, it sounds a lot like the description of a good life. 
I mean, can you imagine how good you would feel if you did all of these things? And you can't because your will is bound and there's darkness inside of you. And if you want to know more about that, talk to Simeon Zoll or Aaron Zimmerman. But um, you can imagine what it would be like to uh, not be impatient, right? That was her first thing. Don't fear the absurd, which basically means don't be afraid. Um, I really like don't trust your props. In other words, um, whatever you're relying on in life will ultimately fail you somewhere down the line. That monkey or those balloons or these notes or this laptop or that job or whatever. Um, Don't trust your props. Uh, Embrace the element of surprise. I mean, we see that all the time. You'll notice a lot of dictators don't have a sense of humor because they can't laugh, because they're, they're not open to the unexpected. Everything is under their control. Um, but even the act of laughter is just a release um, of, a, of defense. It's letting your guard down. Botox is the enemy of funny. I mean, that packs a punch, especially in New York. Um, whereas Botox tries to conceal the truth, humor feeds off of the truth. Um, But the most notable thing she said was in my intro. Everything that's ever happened will be funny at some point. So when I first heard that, I thought, really? Everything? I mean, let's face it. There are some things uh, that just aren't funny. We could come up with a long list, and I don't want to. We're not going to. But um, what is she getting at? And I don't think she's hinting at nihilism, by the way. The idea that life is so ridiculous that it's all just meaningless and uh, we should just laugh to keep from crying. I don't think that's what she's saying. Um, But there is a reason why I think Tina Fey is right. Um, Even though it's probably, I mean, it's a different reason than she would say. But as a Christian, I think the real reason why everything that has ever happened will be funny at some point is because of the resurrection. It's because of the hope of Easter. Why can we laugh in the face of death? Because it is a threat that has become benign through Jesus Christ. We can laugh in the face of death because it's not a threat anymore. Theologically speaking, and this is true in my own life and yours, even at the grave, we make our song because the threat of death has been made benign. And not just death, but sin. We can laugh at ourselves and our own insecurities and our fears and our moodiness and our mistakes because of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Because our sin no longer threatens our standing with God. Our sin is benign. That's why we can laugh at ourselves. As Paul says in Romans 6, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. 
The, de- the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. And in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's get back to another clip. Saturday Night Live um, is famous for going for the jugular. I mean, it does not shy away from anything. It covers divorce, depression, rage, vanity, enhancement drugs. I mean, everything's on the table. Uh, One of my favorite sketches is a game show. I think they do game shows so well. Um, One's called, What Have You Become? And in in perfect game show fashion, like the whole audience says the name, like, it's time for What Have You Become? And when the show starts, um, the host kind of introduces the guests, and then he just asks them one by one, What Have You Become? And the people just break down and cry. (laughs) It's so good. We're not going to watch it. It's a bit of a one-trick pony, and it's long. Um, We're going to watch another one which I'm sure, I, I'm sure that at least 80% of you um, have seen, but we're going to watch it anyway. And it's the one with Adam Sandler as a tour guide for Romano Tours. I mean, it's famous in the Mockingbird world for a reason. Hashtag low anthropology. Um, but if we could get that next clip up. Um, thank you very much. Culture. History. Spaghetti. These are the things of a boot country called Italia. Hello, I'm Joe Romano of Romano Tours. For two generations, my family has provided high-quality tours of Italy to people from all over the world, but mostly Long Island and Jersey. We saw all of Italy in a bus, okay? We ate every day incredible. Yeah, I got to look at the Pope, and he even told me happy birthday. Thanks, Thanks Romano, Romano Tours. Explore the old country with our award-winning 10-day vacation packages. See Venice, the city of wetness. Point and laugh at the Tower of Pisa. And play with some dough in Napoli. People love us, but every so often a customer leaves a review that they weren't, they were disappointed or didn't have as much fun as they thought. So here at Romano Tours, we always remind our customers, if you're sad now, you might still feel sad there, okay? You understand that makes sense? Our tours will take you to the most beautiful places on Earth. Hike the cliffs of the Amalfi Coast. Fish with the nets in Sorrento. Do this, I don't know. But remember, you're still gonna be you on vacation. If you are sad where you are, and then you get on a plane to Italy, In Italy, it will be the same sad you from before, just in a new place. Does that make sense? There's a lot of vacation can do. Help you unwind, see some different looking squirrels. But it cannot fix deeper issues, like how you behave in group settings or your general baseline mood. That's a job for incremental lifestyle changes sustained over time. I want to be very clear about what we can do for you. We can take you on a hike. We cannot turn you into someone who likes hiking. We can take you to the Italian Riviera. We cannot make you feel comfortable in a bathing suit. 
We can provide the zip line. We cannot give you the ability to say we and mean it. You're not your sister. We can provide you with a wine tasting tour of Tuscany. We cannot change why you drink or the person you become when you do, okay? I'm sorry, but it's true. And our friendly tour guides are happy to take your picture. But remember, the pictures you're in are gonna have you in them. And if you don't like how you look back home, it's not gonna get any better on a gondola. Right before we went in the Vatican, he took my face in his hands and he said, if you feel bad about yourself in a church back home, the Vatican is 100% wall-to-wall church. Mm -hmm. So we went for 20 minutes and then uh, we went back to the hotel and watched Paddington too. Yeah, the best. <laughs> Love the Vatican. This may sound rude, but I'm trying to temper expectations. I hate seeing people beat themselves up on my toys. It really gets to me. And please, if you and your partner are having trouble connecting, we guarantee our tour will not help. If you don't want to touch each other at home, be reminded, in Italy, you will have those same bodies and thoughts. You're not blindfold, strawberry eaters in the Maranac, why start in Sicily? Look, a day is a long time to feel happy for all of it. Most of us get 45 minutes, if we're lucky. And that's our motto at Romano Tours. Romano Tours. We make memories, not memories. So good. I mean, the tagline at the end, we make memories, not miracles. It's profound. You'd think this video would would leave you feeling hopeless, um, but it's actually, it actually makes us laugh um, by dismantling our false hopes, right? I, after seeing this, watching this video probably 10 times, uh, the T.S. Eliot poem uh, came to mind. He says, I said to my soul, be still and wait without hope, for hope would be hope for the wrong thing. Adam Sandler is trying to tell us that we're often hoping for the wrong thing. Comedians will routinely lambast uh, false hope. Norm Macdonald, I so wish we could play this. Um, he just, he drops a little too many bombs. Um, uh, and his voice is kind of half of it, so it, it won't be that funny, but I need to tell you what he says. Um, he says, uh, uh, He's talking about Obama's campaign slogan. Um, you know, the sign, hope, the iconic sign. He says, I saw that sign. I said, hope? Has that ever worked? Ever? I remember seeing that as a slogan and thinking, what? The thing that never works? Every scenario uh, where I hope is a letdown. Like, man, I hope this movie is going to be good and not terrible like every other movie. And then after the movie, thinking, man, what was I hoping for? And then he says, hope is not good. Uh, this is a, th there's a big problem with hopes. They always get dashed. You read this everywhere. Their hopes were dashed. You see it all the time. I bet my last dollar you can't even find the word dashed without the word hope. <laughs> Rest in peace, Norm. The real enduring hope from the comedy of the gospel is completely different from false hope. Uh, it's not sentimental, 
It is absurd. It's not make-believe. It is true. And it's not what we expect. It comes as a complete surprise. Uh, It's time for our last video, which is the truest depiction of grace that I've ever seen from Saturday Night Live. I have my friend Hannah to thank. It's not seasonably appropriate, but it's, it's too good not to watch. It's called Sumpin' Claws. And the premise is that come Christmas time, everybody's going to get something. Or everybody's getting something. Um, so like all the people who've been crossed off Santa's list get something from Sumpin' Claws. And it is the essence of the surprise of grace. So this is our last clip. <clears throat> Oh, what up, man? How was the concert? Sucked. I mean, my buddies got busted for drinking in the parking lot. Santa's not bringing me anything this year. Ah, oh, don't worry about it, man. You always get a visit from something, Claus. Who's that? Yeah. Everybody getting something. Everybody getting something. Go to dinner, but he had other plans. He said she was dominating, tried to take her diamond earrings, said that she was profiteering. Soon he would be disappearing. She got mad, was on fire, took a knife, slashed his tires, pulled a phone on Richard Pryor. Santa said, You know, you're like a qualifier, but you know what I say? Everybody's getting something. Everybody's getting something. And I ain't talking about no toys.
was so funny. <laughs> this video, it, it presents the, the comedy of the gospel. I mean, something clause makes the real threat of judgment in your life totally benign. Go ahead. Be naughty. I got you. She <laughs> gives them cash. I mean, it's just perfect. Uh, and, and like this was right when Paula Dean was immersed in real scandal, like for using racial slurs on social media. She was guilty. She was guilty. And she was given grace. Um, our friend John O'Linebaugh once said that faith is a double laughter. There are two laughters of faith. One, the first laughter, is the laughter of human impossibility. And the second laughter is when a person sees, enjoys, and revels in what God has done. It's when the impossible comes true. It's the, the smile you see on these people's faces who have been caught in the wrong and are just given a wad of cash. It is laughing at oneself and saying, I can't, and laughing in response to God's grace saying, he can and has. And we see this in the Bible all the time. We see it in Genesis 17 when God promises Abraham a son. It says, Abraham fell face down he laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? To jump ahead a chapter, when Isaac is finally born, his name meaning he will laugh. It says, Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? So laughter in this story uh, is the appropriate response because by the grace of God, the impossible has come true. So this is the absurdity of grace. I mean, remember Tina Fey's proverb, don't fear the absurd. A couple of weeks ago on the same old song podcast, Aaron Zimmerman said that the resurrection itself is a comedy story. And he's right. It's kind of hilarious what happens, how it unfolds. He says, that's not to say the resurrection is a joke or that it's insignificant. Um, it's the turning point of history. But it's also funny. And he talks about how the women went to the tomb thinking Jesus was going to be there, but he wasn't. And the mistaken identity of Mary thinking Jesus was the gardener and the disciples thinking it was an idle tale. And all of that is it's borderline slapstick humor because it's so absurd even the collect of Easter day. We celebrate with joy the day of the Lord's resurrection when we were raised from death and sin is one of lightheartedness. Joy, laughter, and everlasting life are Easter themes. They are the reason um, why there is hope and why that hope is real. Um, and so I, I do think that, that what Tina Fey says is true. Um, that uh, if, if it's not what Mark Twain says, um, comedy is tragedy plus time, I think that comedy is really tragedy plus God. It's not just that time will heal things, although it often does, but it is that God makes the impossible 
true. And um, when he does that in your life, you just can't help but laugh. 